Hi folks, this is going to be a little bit of a different episode. Our guest Tasha is from Ukraine. This conversation was recorded over the summer at the end of July. The world has continued to change, but the themes that we're going to be discussing in this, everything is still very much true and very much relevant. The first third of this episode is really us focusing in on fun stuff. Tasha and her team's process and game design and all the things that you expect from the Reality Escape pod. The middle third is really about life and Tasha's family and what they have endured over much of the last year. It's a very heavy episode. It's not graphic. We're not talking explicitly about death or violence, but you're going to hear some really heavy truths. And the last third of this episode is going to be digging into what it's like running virtual escape rooms from Ukraine, which is where they are continuing to run these games from. The stories that you're going to hear are tragic and hilarious and kind of off the wall everything that you are going to hear is going to run the whole gamut of the emotional spectrum but i do want you to be prepared that this is a different episode than what we normally produce we think that this is a really important story to tell we are not taking any profit from this everything that we are making from this is being donated and we have fast-tracked the ads so that they are not disrupting the more emotional part of this. Thank you for coming along on this journey with us. And I hope that you get something out of this episode. PG and I most certainly got a lot out of the conversation that produced it. This episode of Reality Escape Pod is brought to you by Morty, Escape Tales, Buzzshot, and Patreon supporters like you. Buzzshot is customer satisfaction software for your escape room business. They offer an assortment of pre and post game features, including robust waiver management, branded team photos, and streamlined review management for Yelp, TripAdvisor, Google Reviews, Morty, and more. Here is what Bob Melkis, CEO of Fox in a Box, had to say about Buzzshot. Fox in a Box is a franchise with multiple locations worldwide. A friend suggested Buzzshot and we tried it. It didn't take long for us to fall in love with the tools. We are now encouraging our franchisees to switch to Buzzshot. It saves a lot of time. It is continuously updated with new features. And for the locations using it, reviews are coming in faster than ever, which brings in more customers. On top of all that, Tom is always responsive and ready to answer all the needs of his clients. Streamline your marketing and grow your business at buzzshot.com slash repod. That's R-E-P-O-D. When booking your free trial to get 20% off your first three months. Details in the show notes. Welcome to the Reality Escape Pod. I'm David Spira alongside my co-host, PG Law. Together, we're exploring immersive gaming from all angles, and we'll be joined by guests who really know their stuff. Each episode this season, we'll be interviewing escape room creators from different countries. Today's guest is from Ukraine. We're joined by Tasha Tarkhanova of Hypnodive. She's an escape room creator and game designer best known for co-creating one of the most impressive, over-the-top an iconic virtual escape room series, Project Avatar. Welcome, Tasha. Thank you. Thank you for inviting. We're honored to have you. We're so excited to talk to you. Project Avatar was one of the most incredible games to come out of the whole quarantine. It is one of the few online escape rooms that I think is worth playing regardless of if you're quarantined at home. It's an amazing experience that you could only experience online. Thank you. I was really was surprised that we was created something unusual. So it was like an amazing process to create it. When you create something, you're putting your soul in that 
and you didn't know from the start what we will get in the final. It's an amazing creation. And for all of our listeners, this episode is going to be a little bit different. We're going to start off exploring Tasha's games. We're going to be talking more about real life than we normally do. We will be covering a lot of different ground in this episode. We're just going to dive in and let's start with the fun stuff. I love talking about this game. So your online escape game, Project Avatar, was a huge sensation when it first appeared on the virtual escape room scene. And for any of you guys who haven't played Project Avatar, it plays very much like a live action video game. So it's a first person perspective. We've got the camera mounted on the avatar. And what I loved was that you would always see the avatar's hands at the bottom of the screen, just like in a video game. The game took place in a gigantic abandoned factory. And your avatar is what really made the game so exciting. He responded to all of our commands with really energetic and stylish acrobatic maneuvers. The Tekken interface was very impressive. There were pre-recorded cutscenes that blended seamlessly into the game and an overlay that we could use to call up information like a map, health points, and energy points. And Project Avatar was unlike any virtual escape game we had ever seen before. And this was such a wildly ambitious game. What was your background before you created Project Avatar? You started from in-person rooms long time ago. I don't remember it was 2014 or something like that when we was open our first in-person room. And after that, our next step in this, uh, we become suppliers of escape rooms. So we have a company building everything necessary for escape rooms. And when it was started quarantine, it was for us like everything was stopped. We're always creating something. We need to create new puzzles, new ideas, new scenarios, new designs. And it's like somebody pushed the pause button and everything was quiet. And we said, what to do? What is shit to do? <laughs> and after that, uh, we'll see like in uh, different escape rooms groups that some people start to, to make online escape rooms. So they're adapting their usual escape room to online. But uh, we already have the idea about the game when you're controlling the person and it was like a totally mix of video game and the live stream with the avatar, but we was not ready at that time for that. So it was like a few years ago and we were thinking about that, but we understand that it's very hard to ask some people and they say, why? It's like the video game? Yeah, why should I play this? Not a video game. And it was hard because the equipment to implement it was uh, very expensive for the time and we think it oh no it's it's too expensive to try it's too expensive for now but at this moment we have understand that oh if they try that so there is some opportunity to go back to our idea and we wasn't try any virtual escape room we just starting to create something for online because we will start to go into our in-person rooms to remake it for online but we understand that we was created for in-person playing. So it's like the light inside the room, it matters. The different sounds, everything what was inside the room matters. And it matters if you touch it, if you smell it, if you see that in your eyes in person, not in a computer and a video. And it was like a long way uh, from starting idea to employment it. And it was a long trip for that. So it was like a game. We was try something. It uh, wasn't so good. It was like a game for us and for our friends because everyone have a lot of time because it's quarantine and you didn't have to do nothing. I was talking about that in my speech in the record last year. So I think uh, maybe I shouldn't repeat the same stories. And if anyone is interested, you should play the Project Avatar games, but you can also see the behind the scenes process of making it, how they were doing a lot of the different effects. All of that is in Tasha's recon talk from last year, which we will link in the show notes. It's great. Yeah, the tech was so impressive that you guys use. I still can't get over how smoothly everything ran. But it makes sense because you guys had the idea for this game and it was just the right time to start rolling it out is what you're telling me, right? Yeah, yeah. We were starting to thinking about that again after the new year. 
And in February, it was planned that our new clients must come to us to communicate about the agreements, about the rooms they want to order. And in February, that was the situation when it was closed, everything for all over Europe. And we were thinking, wow. What happening? And you know, we were preparing for our trips to Egypt, to our vacation, and it was must started at 17th of March 2020. And at 17th of March 2020, they started quarantine in Ukraine. <laughs> so it was like <laughs> our vacation. We was <laughs> waiting for that long time. Our kids was waiting for that. And they tell why we didn't go to vacation. I want to be, I want to be Egypt. We were thinking how we can explain that. And it was a long story about how we already paid for everything. I don't know how it's like uh, when you're buying like uh, the whole tour, starting from the hotels, the airplanes, everything. All inclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're paying it advance it. And we come into the bureau and asking what will happen with our tour. At least you didn't go it because you could have maybe been stuck overseas if you had already been on your vacation when it started. Yes, we was reading about that and I say, you see to my husband and I would say, You see, we wasn't there at that moment, so it's good. (laughs) (laughs) So we have a chance. Finally, we was going to vacation. It was already after we launched Project Avatar, so it was like our reward. You guys deserve it because you guys were running games at all hours of the night for you to accommodate your international players. Yeah, yeah, we're playing like 24 hours per day. We're just closing the games like four or five hours to sleep. <laughs> it, was, it was like fun time for that. Project Avatar has been staged in what looks like an abandoned factory. What's the story behind these locations? Because they're wild. So our main idea, we were thinking about that, what we should do, how we should decorate as a premises, how it was like a brainstorm. And I was sitting like that and I would say, people wouldn't touch it. Why are we thinking about that? Because we was like, we are escape room creators, we are escape room suppliers. We're thinking it must be durable so no one break it, no one touch it. They didn't do nothing with that. So even if there will be something that they can't uh, like broke doesn't matter if it will be abandoned premises you can do everything what you want there and you broke a lot of things (laughs) yeah (laughs) i know (laughs) the one time when in a game it's designed for people to break things and we can't be there in person to actually break everything ourselves but this was one of the most unique things about the game was that the avatar did anything we asked them to. So if we said, break the bottle, the avatar would take up the bottle immediately and fling it across the room. If we said, go in that room, not only would he go in that room, he would kick the door down really stylishly. And I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, what is this game? (laughs) How did you guys decide to tell the avatar to do these things? Did he just come up with it on his own? It was like we played with my husband a hundred rooms and always we do it like very sensibly because we know how many efforts you put in to do something inside the rooms. And we always have a problem that people playing inside the room, they do it not sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I never know what people can do. But 10%, it's like surprise for you. You're watching the games and you think, how did you, where your logic, how you understand that you should to do that? Like, I don't know, to put something in the, into a uh, heading system because there is a hole, the same hole, perfect. You say, <laughs> no, it's a hidden system, what do you do? And we were thinking, we want to do room where people can do everything that they can't to do inside escape rooms. So it's like you come in there, you play a lot of escape rooms, or you play just a few, you always have the rules. You can do, you can do. Like the stop stickers, we always, when we practice our escape rooms, we're thinking about the stop stickers because it's like a thing when you immerse inside the game. So it can be the perfect decoration. You're feeling like you're in a castle. And in one moment, you turn your head and you see the stop sticker. 
and you already know it inside the castle. So we always project in our escape rooms that all what in the room is playable. So you can touch everything, you can go everywhere, you can open everything. So you can use it. If there is a socket, you can do something with that. And it was like a next step in our escape room creating. So we have opportunity to do everything. But it was like crew bar. <laughs> you can grow <laughs> that. <laughs> I love it. You went from one extreme to the other, from having to design rooms where nothing can be broken. And then now suddenly you have the freedom to design a room where everything can be broken for us experienced players, I found it especially fun because we find a lot of times if experienced players tend to be very careful when they play the games because we know how much effort you put into creating them. So we don't want to break your props or anything. And half of the time I have to get hints. It's because we didn't push hard enough. We didn't try hard enough to open a drawer. It was just stuck, not locked. So with that in mind, how destructive were the players in Project Avatar? Did people come in and just want to break everything? I'll tell you the most freedom people's feeling in the first room. You remember the first room where you can broke everything. There yeah. was the most broken room. <laughs> <laughs> and the avatar teaches you that it's okay to break rooms. The other thing that I love was the avatar was very good at communicating without any dialogue at all. It was all unspoken, nonverbal communication, which is smart because you have players from all over the world. If we would be like, look at the desk, he would throw the drawers open in a desk. If there was anything inside, he would take it and then fling it across the room. And in doing so, he is teaching you it's okay to be destructive in this room. And they did that right off the bat. Yeah, it's like training, training and training because it was like even if they already have experience working like a host, you teach them to work in this system. It was trainings for avatars, it was trainings for our operators, for our hosts. And after that, when you think that they are ready, they bring in something from them to this game. So what are some of like the wildest or wackiest things that players have asked the avatar to do? Jump in the window. <laughs> they asked him to jump through the window. <laughs> but you know, it was it was great moment because we were laughing so much because they didn't know which uh, which floor is now because it was like a night game. They didn't see what behind the window. And our avatar say, okay, he opened the window, make one step, and we turned off the camera. <laughs> What's happening? Guys, what do you do? Hey, guy, are you leaving? Hey, Avatar, Avatar. And after that, we was uh, like going uh, to the start point. Respawn. And yeah, yeah, respawn him. And he say, what are you doing? Like that. And our host <laughs> say, don't do like that. We don't have enough Avatars. We have only one more. So be careful with him. Oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Because you had multiple lives. So in the game, you could do things that would damage or hurt the avatar. And if he died, then he would respawn, but you would lose a life. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's right. That's right. So it was like they would help us to make the new mechanics inside the game. So it's like helpful for us. But it was like, you know, it was like a present in the Christmas when you see their faces. It was like, oh, what do I do? <laughs> We're taking a moment to thank our sponsor, Morty. Morty is a free app for discovering, planning, tracking, and reviewing escape rooms and other immersive social outings. I believe in Morty so much that I have a stake in it as an advisor. So David, I just found out that Morty also covers tabletop escape rooms, as well as virtual escape rooms. I mean, this is so cool. It's another way to discover which games you wanna play from the comfort of your own home. And there's even places to review them. I know you just learned this, I just told it to you. <laughs> but yeah, it's a really cool thing. I didn't actually realize that they were doing it until I was scrolling through and I was like, oh wow, I just, I just saw one of my friends review Emerald Flame. And I was like, yes, that's a good thing to be able to do. And I love that because our community is so much broader than just physical escape rooms. And so as Morty grows and becomes a more full-featured product, we continue to benefit. You can learn more at mortyapp.com slash repod. 
that's R-E-P-O-D, to sign up and get a special badge for our listeners. Link and details in the show notes. Project Avatar games managed to be both ridiculous and serious, which I think is coming through just from the interview right now. And doing that at the same time, it's unusual. The Avatar's best friend is Utia Duck, who is half man and half duck. And the game makes it work. How do you approach creating something that is this crazy, but also making it pull together in something that feels cohesive and also comes across as serious? I will tell you a story about it was once we was at a festival with our friends. And this mask, Utadak's mask, it's like a part, um, I don't remember how it's fallen in English. You know, the things that you're using in pool. Of like a float? Uh, an inflatable tube. Yeah. Buzz with the head of this <laughs> bird. So it was broke. And we cut the head of it and my friend put it on head. <laughs> and we were laughing about that. It was so fun. It was so much fun. And it was like a year before the project avatar. And I was starting to call him Utadak. It was like, uh, you know, I started to call him Utadak. And does that mean anything in particular or? In our language, Uta, it's like a little duck. The kids <laughs> call it like that. And after that, when we was creating the stalker game, we were thinking about that. And I say, we must use Uta Duck. And it's like, uh, I'm writing all stories, all scenarios. It's my craziness. So <laughs> it's like the whole stories that you see there inside. It's everything from my head. So I'm enough crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the opening video from that. It was a very well-produced video. And this duck is like, there were planes involved. I remember he got in a yeah. plane and flew off or something. <laughs> The whole premise of the first game is based around Utya Duck and his airplane. Yeah. It was like a fever dream. It was so bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> that airplane, it's airplane of one of our partners. It's his plane. And it was like, what we have to produce the story? <laughs> it's like, you know, you bring all your toys <laughs> and you're in, your, in the sandbox and you play together with your friends. <laughs> so everyone brings their toys. So you have an airplane and you have the head off of a inflatable duck float. A broken <laughs> duck float. <laughs> <laughs> These things are so incongruous, but it just made sense. And the inside of the game, too, in the second game, I remember you had to retrieve items, right? And a lot of these were glowing in the black light, and it felt a little bit like like an underground rave, like a festival. <laughs> yeah, it was inspiration <laughs> because we have a lot of uh, paints. We stopped our production at that moment because uh, it was quarantine. No one orders escape rooms, but we still have the paints. And they have like expiration uh, time when we need to use it. And I yeah. say we have a lot of uh, paints that we need to use because we will throw that. The the neon, the black light paint, right? You guys really are zero waste. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to use everything. And also about the story, why Uchadak, uh, the story behind him, we have the hero. And I will tell you that everyone of our heroes have the backstory everything starting from the young age to the moment when you meet him. I make it like that I can make the book with them, you know, <laughs> already I can make the book. It was one of ideas that when I will have a time, I will make a book that he will read everything about that and say, aha, that's why he do that. <laughs> <laughs> it makes a lot of sense because your avatars had a surprising amount of personality for people who never spoke a word or we never saw their faces on camera. So a lot of times, if you don't see a character's face and they're not talking, how do you give them personality? But they did with the things that they did or like even the way the camera would shake no or yes, up and down. It was amazing. And I think a lot of that had to do with the backgrounds that you gave each character. It was really helpful for us because we just give this story to Avatar and say, it's you. And the actors see, aha, okay, it's me. And they already understand. So the avatar, it's like a friend who very nice, who want to help his friends. And you know, it's like he always get in trouble with that. Because 
friends ask him to do something and he can say no and he always <laughs> say oh no okay let's go <laughs> let's do that and after that he's thinking oh where i am going why i'm going there <laughs> and he would start moving slower too if he got hungry because i remember you had to feed this guy like you had to give him energy bars in the middle of the game and he would start moving more sluggishly and then we would be like oh my gosh that's right we have to feed this guy <laughs> Yeah, it was a really important part of the game because we understand that in online you need to give opportunity to do something to each player. So if it's like a huge team, you need to give them opportunity to do something. Someone like to solve the puzzle, someone looking for different items, someone looking for the hints, someone looking about the energy, someone looking to something else, someone looking to the timer, looking to the items that already found it, how to use them. So he was trying to make like different small tasks. It's not like huge tasks that you need to always concentrate on that. That's so smart. Last question on Project Avatar for now. You've cited a lot of dystopian fiction, shows like Black Mirror and Love, Death and Robots, as well as movies like Gamer as influences in your designs. How do you approach using influences to create something that is unique? And I think everyone can tell the things that are coming out of your head are unique. I will tell you that if you remember from your childhood, you always thinking, what will be if? And after that, if always was question, what will be if I will go to the right, not to the left today? What will be if I threw it in the toilet? <laughs> Something like that, you know? <laughs> so you're testing. You're always testing. Uh, when you're watching the series like that, or you're reading the books of Stanislav Lamb, for example, you're always thinking, oh, what would be if we turn this plot to the other way? So we like take the trigger and you're flying away to the other cosmic stars or something else. Every book, every story working on the same schematic plot. So you're starting from the hero, something what's the task. He have the task. The inciting incident. Yep. He like need to do something. You're a hero. So everything works in the same stage. So it doesn't matter which one story you will tell. But if you will give opportunity to your mind, to your creativity, to starting answer, what will be if, then you'll see new opportunities. And it's uh, like artistic styles that are like in the paintings, like in the game design, in everything. So you have inspiration from something. It doesn't matter from what. And when you didn't copy it, you have the task didn't to copy or do the similar. If you have a task to create, you can inspire here and create totally different thing. And after you will say, oh, I was inspired by that. Someone can ask, why? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> no, <laughs> it didn't similar. <laughs> so you like to take the hero's journey, which is that template that everybody uses for most storytelling, and then just figure out how can you go and explore a different extreme with it. That's a really interesting way to do it. And you certainly pull that off. We do the same in our escape rooms because always people who come into our escape rooms, it's a heroes. Everyone wants to be the hero. When you're watching a film, you want to be the hero when you're playing a video game. You want to be the hero. In Avatar, it's the same. We give the opportunity to players to be the hero because if our avatars talk with you, he will be the other person. But if he didn't talk, you see the hands and you're the hero. So you're feeling yourself like you avatar. You do everything. Escape Tales is a tabletop escape room series with a focus on strong story and puzzles. Their games have weight and atmosphere, and the decisions you make along the way change the outcome. They are each crafted by the folks behind Lock Me and the Escape Room World Championship. They really know escape rooms and love them, and it shows in their product. Escape Tales feels about as close to a real-life escape room as you can get on the tabletop. Low Memory is the second game in the Escape Tales series. Published in 2018, this game 
has about nine hours of content, but it is cleanly broken up into three different scenarios. So you can spread out your enjoyment of this and not feel like you're going to be at your table for a full day. It is available in 11 languages and tells a really compelling sort of techno sci-fi story. Yeah, I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed the Escape Tales series of Escape Room tabletop games. I love the mix of narrative and puzzles. A lot of times I play other um, escape room games and I don't feel like there's enough narrative to me or there's too much narrative. You know, for me, this was just the perfect mixture. The game components are quality. There's there's a lot of components. All of them feel really well made. And it is honestly a great price point. And I cannot believe the fantastic discount they gave us. It's got nine hours of gameplay, but I would say it has even more because there's a lot of replayability. Even after I played through the game, I still had like a big stack of cards that I had not gone through. So I think that, you know, talk about value, you're going to get bang for your buck with this. But it's, it's just a pleasure to play. And I just highly recommend you guys check it out. Their games branch in so many different directions. It really does make your decisions matter and creates a unique experience for you and your team along the way. You can buy any installment of the Escape Tales series at store.boardanddice.com. Board and Dice is now shipping from both the United States and the European Union, so your games will not get held up in customs. Use discount code ROOMESCAPEARTIST at checkout to receive a generous 25% off your purchase. Details in the show notes. Okay, so let's change gears a little bit and talk about how the invasion has affected your life, your family, your business. How are you and your loved ones doing? Where are you? So about us, uh, we are now in Poland. We have family here, so we've decided to move to Poland. So it was like, I don't know, kind of like a broke point when it was already one month from starting the war. And it was uh, like we always was in some work. We always doing something. So we helping with volunteering. We have a lot of our friends that in army. We have a lot of our friends that uh, helping to refugees. So we always helping. And it was like we were starting from uh, seven a.m. and coming home at nine p.m. And the first what was we do? We was moving to my husband's parents. They living not in the city, so we were thinking it's more safety place for that. And we bring our child. We have three daughters. It's 15, uh, 13, and seven years old. And we move them there. And we was going to helping. We they still sleep. And when we coming home, we were so tired that we like speaking like a few minutes. And after that, we go to sleep. It was like three weeks. And after that, we take one weekend, like a few days to rest because it was like without the weekend. So it's uh, you can say to your friends that uh, must go to the front. They need like things that necessary now, like a medicines or something like that. And you can tell, oh, today is my day off. I can help you. So if they call, we stand up and go to help because you have no opportunity to say no. Because you are human, you are normal human, you can't say no with that situation. And we like have a few days off. And it was a moment when we was sitting in our room and our younger daughter was playing near us. And we see how she play. It was a box, like a box for the doctor's kit. First aid kit, yeah. Yeah, like that for a child. Usual toy, but it's a big, huge, huge box for a child. And we see that inside that box, not a doctor's kit, it's her favorite toys. And she playing inside the box. She didn't take them away. And when she going somewhere, she put everything in this box and close it and going, for example, to toilet. She going to toilet, coming back with that box, open it and playing inside the box. I was thinking that it's something like game. And I asked, and she say me, because when it will be air alarm, I have to go to the basement, to the shuttle. And I didn't have time to take my toys, my favorite toys, with me, if I will take them somewhere out of box. 
And if something happened, I will lose my favorite toys. And it was a moment, you know, we were sitting with my husband and she continued to play. So it's normal for her it was. And we were sitting with my husband, looking to each other. And it was like a moment that we understand that it's not good that our children sit at home 24 hours. We was like, forget about them in that moment. You know, it was like we was always with the, in the helping. It was situation. It was hard. We was believing that it was like we need a little effort and it will finish it. We yeah. think that it will be like that. One more effort, it will be again our normal life, our previous life. And it was like we understand that it wouldn't finish it so fast. And we understand that if it will be one month, okay, if it will be two months, if it will be half of year, if it will be one year, you never know when it will stop it because you didn't see the whole picture. You're not a political, you're not like some generals from army. Even they didn't understand when it will be finished because it's not a war when you have some point. It's a very hard situation because the country who will lose this life will be totally destroyed like a nationality. Because if Russia will lose this war, everyone will understand that Russia is weak. If Ukraine will lose this war, we'll lose everything. We will lose our nationality, we will lose our land, we will lose our freedom, we will lose everything. So in this case, no one will step back. It will be like war to the totally win. But no one will win because it will be a huge price for that. But for us at that moment, it was like we was understand that we will lose, um, moreover, we will lose our family. Because we didn't see how our children grow up. They will don't live normally how was with lessons. It was like the same like in quarantine in a school, but they sit in a computer. In some moment, it was like air alarm and the lesson is stopped. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that story about your daughter. You're making me cry. It's so, it's, it's, but a story like that, a small story really drives home how much your daily lives and your children are being affected by this work. Can I ask what city were you guys in? We're in Lancet now. It's in the east part of Poland. But before, what city were you in? It was Lviv. So the story from a city that was, at that moment, it was attacked just a few times by the missiles. And uh, the second ring for that, that we need to change something was, we were thinking that it's like safety in uh, our parents' home because it's not in a city, it's far away from different army objects, something like that. And we were thinking that, uh, oh, they wouldn't attack the city. Why they should do that? But once the missile was coming almost near the place where was our child, our parents, and if our younger daughters, they didn't understand the whole situation, our older daughter, she already 15 years and she understand everything. Yeah. And, you know, it was so hard. It was a lot of questions. We was coming home. She was so scared. Our parents uh, losing a lot of time to say she stopped crying because she can't stop crying. She was so stressful, so scared after that because it was the world shaking inside the hole. It was really scared for them. At that time, we was in the other part of the city. We was helping. And I say, what we are doing? We wasn't with them. If something happened, we wouldn't be with them. But we can't sitting 24 hours near them because we need to do something. We need to work. We need to solve some tasks that we have. And it was like you broke in your heart and you have to decide what you have to do. And you understand that you need to choose between your family and between that to stay at home. And the other step was when we decided that we need to move from Ukraine. It was like the next step was for us. It's we have to take all our life in one bag because we have one car. We have five persons in that car. We have two cats, dog, and we need to pack all our life in this car because we didn't know what will happen after. I didn't plan now nothing. We can't plan that. Yeah, I have a phobia. I can't plan something more than one month. So what will be one year? 
I didn't plan because, you know, it's like the moment in 24 February, it was like our own plans, our own dreams, our own vision of our future was destroyed totally. I don't tell any about the people who losing everything, who losing their lives. I telling about the people that living now in cities that uh, can be two, three air alarms by the day. One air alarm. Sometimes it's no air alarm and it's a good day. And it's good if it's no air alarms in night because you need to take everything with you, go to the shelter, sitting there half hour, one hour, three hours. You didn't know how long you will sit there. So it's destroyed, totally destroyed life. You can't plan anything in this situation. It's very hard to to stay yourself. Because it's like the main task, it's like to stay yourself. You don't uh, be uh, angry to everyone who around you because you didn't sleep enough or something else. And it was like the next step was to like to pack our life and mood somewhere and didn't think what will be next. So we like continue our life here. If something could happen, it, we will continue our life in other places. So we was decided the main thing that it's we have our family, we have our animals, we have that our home is there we are. Because yeah. it was really hard to say goodbye to your home and it wasn't destroyed. It was like hysterical situation for me in my head. I want to scream, I want I want to kill somebody because it's like you're standing in your home, you're standing in your apartment, you're looking in one corner, you, and you say, I need it everything, and this I need and that I need, I need everything here. How I can pack it everything? And it's like, you know, it's like, it's like a comedy situation. You're thinking, okay, I need to wake up when I will wake up and you can't stop it. And that's why we was decided that we continue in our life. And it's really hard for us still be like uh, uh, turning off the, uh, you know, we have like applications in our phone that uh, inform us when it's air alarm. And we was deleted from our child's phone, but we leave it in our phones. And you're thinking it will be okay or not. It will be where it will be because, you know, people's going to army. And uh, in this situation, when you're always in this stressful situation, we were thinking that it's easier to go to the army to stand and defend your country because you will understand what you do. You didn't need to play in normal life. You just go in there. You understand. You can be killed. Okay. You understand the task, what you need to do. You have to defend your country. And that's all. You didn't need to think how to live, what I should do. And you know what is the worst that we are here. We have decided it was our decision. We start our life. We continue our life. We make the good decision because we see the, what uh, life changed in, with our children, how they live now. We see that they are happy. They're really happy because they have friends. They have opportunity to go outside and didn't be worried that air alarm will, will be and they didn't have where to hide. And you didn't worry about that, that they go somewhere with a friend. But we're thinking about that, that we are feel guilty that we have such opportunities. And our friends, our family, our parents didn't have that opportunity to continue their life. They like have a situation when their life are in the pause. So it's it's like you you can't plan anything. Our friends, they are engaged now and they was planned to have a wedding this summer. But they didn't want now to celebrate the wedding because it didn't fit in your head what's happening in your country, in your life. And they say, maybe later. We can't do that now. Gosh, um, that is heartbreaking. And <clears throat> thank you for sharing these stories. I think as an outsider, someone in the United States who has been actively following this since the invasion started, it even following it, you lose track of the humans and the human stories. You hear the big story, you hear the numbers, lines moving on a map, you hear all of these different things, but they're not personalized 
and it's hard to it's hard to even think through what someone might be experiencing under these circumstances. I mean, so many of us, especially in the immersive gaming world, we live in places that have not seen war in generations. And we don't have a frame of reference. We can't imagine what it's like to have to look at your daughter and realize that she is adapting to having to run to a bomb shelter and changing the way she plays. I really appreciate you sharing the story. And at this point, I will say all of the proceeds, the ad revenue, anything that we make from this particular episode, it's all going to be donated to Direct Relief and Flagged for Ukraine. This is a humanitarian organization that operates internationally, and they don't mess around. They don't waste funds. They're very efficient. And I would strongly encourage anybody who's listening, if you can afford it, to go and find a good organization, a reliable organization to donate to Ukraine. You can use tools like the website Charity Navigator can help you find such aid groups. Direct Relief is our organization of choice. While I'm, I'm not a humanitarian, I spent a lot of time supporting humanitarian efforts over the years, and I know the space really well. The deeper into a crisis, the harder it is to raise funds. People forget, people stop giving, and it costs a lot of money to rebuild, to protect people, to feed people, to provide telecommunications, to provide medicine, to provide education for children. All of these things are hard and expensive to do in a country that's working well, and they are damn near impossible to do in a crisis. And it just the only way to help is to actually pour money into the region and to do it through reliable organizations. So if you can, please do. Yeah, it's really totally important to pay attention to this situation because I'm really scared that this can be like a usual thing. Because I see that it's like the less Ukraine information in the news of different countries. I understand that people are tired of that. I understand that it's really hard emotionally to discover that, to understand that, to see that, trying to understand what's happening inside, to help. It's totally hard. I understand it. It's really hard. But believe me, Ukrainians are also very tired. And without the help, of the whole world, they will turn faster. It's not like we will lose something. It's really important thing that to understand that the territories that already occupied by Russia, it's like, I don't know, it's like Czech and Slovakia together. So mm -hmm. it's a huge territory. It's not like a small territory that you, uh, that you can, okay, you can take away it. No, it's not like that. It's a huge territory and there are peoples that didn't want to be in Russia. They are Ukrainians. And it's really it's really scary for us, for Ukrainians, to leave them there because it's terrible stories what we get from people who have chance to run away from there, from refugees who come and we was helping. And I have opportunity to speak with uh, volunteers here in Poland about children who come and here. It's totally, it's crazy stories that you can't fit in your mind and believe that it happened in 21st century. And it's really important. It was so important for me and for my team that we receive a lot of messages from people, from our clients, from everyone who tell, how are you? Do you need help? Do you need something? Tell us what we can do. It was so important for us because for the first day we was like, we lose ourselves. It was as we, we can't understand what to do. And when we receive a lot of these messages with supporting, we understand that we are not alone in this situation. And it's really important that not leave alone Ukraine in this situation. How much it will cost, I can't imagine it. But it costs for us, for our peoples, it costs a lot. It's everything. It's everything. Yeah, it's everything. It's our life. It's our country. It's our freedom. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's partly why it felt important to us to have you on to share your stories that I still can't wrap my head around. But we really wanted to shed light upon what is happening in Ukraine. Um, 
So I have a question actually about the business still. And I know that you and your family have relocated to Poland now. And I see on the website that you guys are still running games. And in fact, you've even designed new games, which is very impressive considering the circumstances. Are you still running it from the original location? Yeah, yeah, we are doing an original location. So we continue to host our games and we do everything for safety of our staff. Because about the project avatar, we didn't worry about that because it's totally like safety premises. It's like a basement and you didn't worry about the hosting of the game. And about the game that we was uh, starting the new game, we didn't do the new scenario. We like adapt our in-person room to online because when it was started, when the war was starting, it's like uh, we usually have in our location, we have three rooms and we usually have like 150, 200 games per month. And after the starting of the war, it's 30 games per month. So it's like, wow, really not enough to work in that. And that's why we was decided to adapt it to online. And it was like hard for us, really was difficult task because we have a high level with our project and we have a usual escape room. And we was trying to combine it to do not lose the main idea of the whole game, that it's like the main soul of the avatar. And it's not like the same. We can tell that it's like the same style game, but it's uh, also have immersive elements. So it's really important for us that we can continue on that. And uh, because like uh, we uh, have to close our production, as I was told, and for us, it's like the main business that uh, earning money for us. So it's uh, important for our family. It's important for our friends, for our staff, because we involve everyone to do that story, to have opportunity, because you can understand how it's, I don't know, I think you can't understand, you can imagine how it's happening in the country, how it's hard with the prices, with everything, how it's hard to get money, to find work, to hire staff. It's, it's really hard. It's really hard now to combine everything in, in one. So why we are continue working online and we're trying to find opportunity to start a new scenario because we was want to start a new one. It was like a continuance of a first mission, the next part of the first mission. It was a great story. It was a great place that we was found. We was looking for that like a half of year. We was looking just for premises. We were working hard to preparing it and after the starting of war we need to like to stop it because that premises uh, was huge bomb shelter oh. yeah <laughs> and uh, we was you know really happy that it's like not we lost our money for that because we was already do a lot of work in this shelter electricity the water and so on because it was abandoned uh, it was a really huge one uh, i don't know if there will uh, have opportunity uh, our city will have opportunity to uh, fix it all because it was like a shelter from the ussr's time and it was shelter a, fa a yeah. fallout shelter yeah yeah oh okay so you had found a new location for your third game which was an abandoned bomb shelter yep oh i see the huge one and then you had to move it to clear out the bomb shelter forever. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It really was like uh, we were thinking and thinking like that maybe we can play here. And they said, <laughs> no. <laughs> Imagine it. <laughs> what happens if an air raid goes off in the middle of a game? So about the Project Avatar games in Stalker, there is a premise, it's uh, already like a bomb shelter. So it's like in the... <laughs> yeah, we love the places like that. We was know something. <laughs> you have an aesthetic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our paranoia, it's like really like a bomb shelter and the people who work in the same building, if it's air alarm, they going down to us. So in games, we like warn our uh, players that sometimes you can see the other people here it's our friends <laughs> so don't <laughs> worry and in the part when we're playing the um, mystery hotel it's like also the buildings that have very fat walls it's two meters walls in that building so you guys just play through the air alarms that is some dedication yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I will tell you that uh, after some time, in the first time when you see uh, here the air alarm, 
and you go into bomb shelter very fast. After a few months, it's becoming like a part of your life. And you say, oh, shit, again? <laughs> really? Now? <laughs> Sometimes it can be when you are in the shower. And my friend have phobia. She told me that uh, she said, okay, I understand everything. But just imagine it. I will be in shower. I will start washing my head. I wouldn't hear the air alarm. And some missile will get in my house, I will die naked with the shampoo in my hair. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh my goodness. I, I mean, not that it's the same thing at all, but having grown up in Los Angeles my whole life, we have a lot of earthquakes here. It's like when it's anything small, if my things are not falling off the desk, I barely even react when we have an earthquake. You do get a little bit immune to these things after a while. It's really bizarre but <laughs> and it's was it's like we do everything with a humor now our friends even they are now uh, near the bus they are also do everything with a humor because they say without that you will lose the main uh, the important thing that you will lose your like fire inside you that making you live yeah yeah it helps keep the spirits high so we were wondering, what is the state of the escape room industry in Ukraine? I can tell you that it's a really high level of escape rooms in Ukraine. I think it's because of it's cheaper in Ukraine to create a high level escape room because we have a lot of high technology companies that making the software. So it's very popular in Ukraine. It's a big city. We have like, I think maybe... 50 different companies that's making software with engineers that they're developing a lot of things they're working with facebook google microsoft and the same situation is in was in kharkiv uh, kiev uh, odessa it's also cities that uh, working with, uh, with technologies a lot of people do it like a hobby you know because they love escape rooms and they say oh it's so great to my that like we are was we were thinking that it's hi it's so easy <laughs> <laughs> This is a hard thing to ask since I know you don't like to plan more than a month ahead, but what does come next for you? Are you still planning on creating any new rooms from where you are now? Yeah, we are thinking about that. Different circumstances making different turns of the plot in your life. We was realized that everything what we have is in Ukraine, in Lviv. And totally now, it's like we have apartments there, so we have like real estates. Yeah, we have our business there and everything there. And in these circumstances, you understand that if something will happen, it you will have nothing. <laughs> Not like that. And we realize that we need to create something that can be hosted from any place and wouldn't be need a huge location for that. So I think we will do it uh, more like immersive movie or something like that. We're thinking about this and also we're thinking that we have a lot of requests for uh, huge groups. So we're thinking about that. So make the new game mechanics that will help us to host a huge groups for that. And so we like have an ideas. We are thinking about that. And I hope that in this situation, I think we will, <laughs> we will solve these tasks because it's really important for our family. And I think it will be great. I can promise nothing when it will be, but we're <laughs> thinking about that. Uh, yeah, we're working on that. And also we are now working on uh, other our rooms, uh, in-person rooms in, uh, in Lviv to um, renovate it to online because we like starting from one only and there will be two more. So why we are working on that in uh, our craft, we can understand what to do next. But it's hard now to understand what to do next with your lives. You didn't uh, understand where you will be. We're really grateful to quarantine. I understand that it's maybe crazy things that you hear from someone, but now we have uh, our online project and we understand that we can do it everywhere so we can create something online that we didn't close it in our market. We can go to 
any place and start works. And it's like uh, really important for us and we're really grateful that we have the opportunity. And you know what uh, I will tell you that I'm really grateful for the whole community of escape rooms because it's like the huge community who is supporting us starting from like from our first steps in this business and in any situations that was really a terrible situation like when it was starting the quarantine it was like a corner when we didn't understand what to do next and we say oh okay online okay let's go to online thank you <laughs> and, you know and we wasn't understand how to do what to do how to start and when the whole community was starting to supporting us to say wow you might it's so crazy it's so great and that uh, we got the rewards in that year you know it was like for us really <laughs> really it's everything <laughs> for us <laughs> that's what happens when you make something so amazing i love that <laughs> i love that and it, so it sounds like one of the best ways that our listeners can support you is by playing your games right sure <laughs> sure <laughs> Please do. If you haven't played, go and check out one of Tasha's games. They're phenomenal. We will be linking to them in the show notes. Also, if you can, please do donate to the relief effort. It is so necessary. And we will also have links in the show notes to help you out on that path. And send her a nice message because it sounds like you do read all of the messages from your players and it really does a lot to lift the spirits. Tasha, where can people find you on social media so they can follow what your company and you are up to? You can find our company by our website or the Facebook social media project Avatar Online. You'll find it. We'll put the links in the show notes. Tasha, thank you so much for joining us, for sharing the story of your games, and more importantly, for sharing the story of your family, your employees the people in your lives for helping us get these stories out to a broader audience and hopefully helping a few people better understand the human cost of this invasion. Thank you so much. It's really important for me because when I was like preparing to your podcast, it's like really helpful was for me to understand what, what are going in my life. <laughs> so thank you for inviting. We're so Honored to have you and cannot wait to play more games from you. The Reality Escape Pod is produced by Lisa Spira, edited by Steve Ewing of Stand Inside Media, and brought to you by RoomEscapeArtist.com, your home for well-researched, rational, and reasonably humorous escape room and immersive gaming content and events. Hi, folks. It's that time again. You know the one where we ask you to back us on our Patreon. Now, I know that everyone has Patreon request fatigue. I have it too. And I know that you're used to hearing that it takes a lot of work to make this content and that the money goes a long way. But it really is true. All of the things that we're doing take a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of money. And the support that we get from our Patreon community is invaluable. If you have the money available and love what we're doing, please do consider backing us on Patreon. It means more than I think you realize. Thanks. If you have been enjoying the content on Reality Escape Pod, David and I would really appreciate a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast or Spotify. It really goes a long way towards helping us market the podcast and growing this podcast. We'd like to take a moment to thank our highest tier sponsors, Derek Tam, Breakout Games, Jonathan Driscoll, Pat Tupin, Rex Miller, Paula Swan, Scott Olson, and Byron Delmonico. So as our avatars, he do everything what players tell him. And we always train them that you need to listen to them, but you need to do everything what they say and don't do nothing what they didn't ask you. Be yourself, but you must to do everything what players say. And one time, when our avatar called me, it was like 9 p.m., I think maybe something happened. He called me and he asked me, and what I should to do? I say, 
Roma, what do you want from me? What do you, why do you ask me what you should to do? It's 9 p.m. What do you want? He said, okay, I'll explain you. I come home after the whole day in games. I'm going to shower. I'm going out from my bathroom and standing in my corridor about a half of hour. I say, why? He say, because no one tell me what I should to do. <laughs> I'm just waiting that someone will tell him he was pirate <laughs> all day worked <laughs> he just got he just got used to following orders <laughs> go to sleep <laughs> and I tell him you can go to eat and sleep <laughs> 